Amen. 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 You know, in 1978, I was still in sixth grade, and I experienced this magical place for the first time. I'd been hearing about it for two years. I started hearing about it in fourth grade, and I was so excited in sixth grade to finally get to go to a place called Camp Waskowitz. <laughs> All right? I think some people in the room know about Camp Waskowitz. It was pretty great. The facility is used for a lot of great things, a lot of camps, a lot of different things, but primary among them is that it's a sixth grade camp for school districts all over the state and primarily here on the western side of the state. Now, I grew up kind of a, a country soul. I was connected with the woods and the rivers and camping and fishing and all the things that my dads did. <clears throat> and so I loved a place, a, a camp that was out in the woods, out in nature. And I also grew up kind of connected, if you will, to what I think were the deeper things. I always wondered if the other fourth, fifth, and sixth graders thought the way I thought. I kind of felt like an outsider. I was kind of into the teacher's messages about kindness and not bullying. And, and what I thought at that time were the deeper things, being proud of my country and believing in God. Even though I didn't, wasn't raised in a church going home, it resonated with me. And I found all those things at camp, right? I was quickly connected when I first started hearing about Waskowitz, and especially when I first went in sixth grade. It was a a nature, you know, a naturalist, an environmental kind of camp that used teaching tools to connect with kids about valuable life lessons. I was connected with a place that gave out things like good cabin awards for cleaning after yourself, friendship awards for being kind and giving hugs. I resonated with that. Smokey the Bear awards for learning things about how to prevent forest fires. All right, not only did Smokey actually appear, real life, six foot six. Smokey, that I would later learn, was my own sixth grade teacher who went up to camp every week for 17 years. Every Thursday. My own sixth grade. And I couldn't believe the day I found out he was actually Smokey. But then they gave out this actual Smokey the Bear award to your cabin if you want it. And it was this plastic Smokey the Bear. The sad thing was it looked like it had been through a couple forest fires. It was kind of all charcoaled up and... And they give out Beat the Crunch Energy Monster Awards if you conserved energy and beat the energy monster, right? You learn how to use water for power. Turn off your cabin lights every time you left. And I even learned in sixth grade, are you ready for this? I learned in sixth grade to conserve water. If it's yellow, let it mellow. But if it's brown, flush it down. Isn't that gross? I mean, what kind of life lessons are you teaching a sixth grader? Come on. Sad to say, I'm not going to name any names, but there's some people in my family who still believe that's true, and I just am not one of them. I am not one of them. In 1982, I returned to Waskowitz, the first of several uh, high school leadership camps that I would go to through the years, and in 1985, I went back for one week as a senior high schooler uh, to be a sixth grade counselor. Um, in our school district, you were allowed one week, your senior year, to go back to Waskowitz and be a counselor for sixth grade, but you could only do it once. So in 1985, I went three times. I loved that place. I loved that place. I loved it so much, and I was so resonated. In fact, my sixth grade teacher had kind of taken me under his wing even all those years later, going up every Thursday. In 1986, I was in my first year of Bible college, and the campus of my college was 45 minutes from Camp Waskowitz. So I arranged to get school credit to work at camp every Thursday with my sixth grade teacher. And for two years, I was on staff at Camp Waskowitz every Thursday. And can I tell you something right now? Best period, job, period, ever, period. It was awesome. 
Camp Waskowitz. One of the exciting things about every Thursday was 150 plus sixth graders at the camp would release a steelhead hatchling back into the Cedar River. It was part of sort of the, the culminating at the end of the week of some of the conservation lessons and giving back that they had been learning. Now, Mr. Diano Garcia, a good friend of mine, uh, he drove this old, it was a 1965 converted Ford water tank truck, the old rusty truck that the camp had, and he'd drive that old, had a huge steel tank on the back of it, and he'd drive that old steel tank every Thursday morning up to the Cedar River watershed where there was a hatchery, and they'd fill that steel tank full of hatchlings, and he'd come back and we'd park it along the river's edge, and we'd take these 150, 200 aluminum coffee cans, and we'd fill them up with the valve and let a little water, and one or two hatchlings would go into each can, and we'd line up those cans, and those sixth graders would take a can and go down to the river's edge, as you can see, and they would release their hatchling back into the environment to grow up and be a big fish. They were learning conservation and giving back. One week I got a call from Diano that he had picked up the fish, but on his way back the truck had broken down, and he was stuck on the side of I-90. About 80-plus degree day, the truck had overheated, and he needed help. And I'm not a mechanic, but I left college because, well, I could go help Diana or I could be in class. That was an easy decision. Oh, I'll help you. I don't know anything about any cars, but I'm going to help you. Guys, by the way, if you break down, I'm not the one to call, but I'll be there. I'll bring some pop and a coffee, and we'll have a good time while we're waiting for somebody to come help us. <laughs> um, so, you know, work party, I'm the party part of the work party. Um, so anyway... <laughs> Uh, I went up there, I actually gathered some other friends of mine, and we went up there, and eventually, it took us several, several hours, but we got that old truck back to camp. By the time we got there, it was evening. We were supposed to be releasing the hatchlings in the morning. It was evening, and all the kids were gathered in the dining hall, so Diano took the truck down to the river and gathered up the camp staff so they could start filling the aluminum cans, and I went into the dining hall and grabbed the microphone and tried to explain to the kids that we were about to finally do what they've been waiting all week long to do. And as I was in the middle of that speech, I heard a noise behind me. Diana walked in the back door of the dining hall, and I've got the microphone in my hand, and he whispers into my ear, they're dead. <laughs> and I turn around, and go, what are you talking about? And he says, the fish. I go, how many of them? All of them. They boiled up in the steel tank while it was sitting in 80-degree weather on I-90, and they're all dead. So that's the morning that a 156th grader from Western Washington learned about the hibernation cycle of the Pacific Northwest <laughs> steelhead. I am telling you, I was young, but I was full of BS even then. <laughs> on the spot, on the spot, only the Pacific Northwest steelhead, because of the way they were spawned, from high upon Alaskan mountains. Oh man, it was really, really bad. Come down the Copper River, right? And these ones were transplanted special because they have to hibernate. And you know something? If they wake up before their hibernation is over, they will not survive. 100, and this was the first actual miracle of God I ever saw. 156 graders absolutely perfectly silent without a peep carrying their aluminum can 300 yards down to the cedar river so as to not wake the hibernating 
Pacific Northwest Steelhead Hatchling. And we launched 150 dead <laughs> fish into the Cedar River. Without making a single sound, there is a God. Oh, You see, I connected with those kids in a deep, meaningful, serious way. But it was not rooted in any truth at all. <laughs> I love Camp Waskwich. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you, Lord, that you want to connect with us, but you want to connect with us in a way that is rooted in truth. Lord, I'm thankful today that we are launching something that I know will transform us as a church as we allow it to transform us individually. Lord, would you be with us this morning? Just walk us, meet us where we're at in our journey, all from different places. Walk us to the next step, God, the very next right thing in you, in Jesus' name. And Lord, while we're praying, Lord, this morning the Sounders could clinch a playoff spot. Lord, would you be with your chosen men on the field today? Amen. Okay. Just had to throw that in. Sorry, I... Keeping an eye on the time here. Ten o'clock, and we want to start fasting. Um, hey, this is our first Sunday. Obviously, we're kicking off our Rooted series, and I hope that you are as excited as we are about Rooted. We are absolutely believing God for big, big transformation in the life of LifeSpring and in the lives of LifeSpring in these coming weeks. If you have not yet signed up for Rooted, it's still time. There's still time today. This is the little book that you get. It's fantastic. It's a 10-week class or 10-week um, uh, group, if you will. Um, it's just facilitated. This isn't one of those things. It's not like church where you come and sit and watch. Okay, this is one of those things where you are involved. Um, we don't have leaders. We have facilitators because really all of us are just part of leadership in our own groups. And if you've not signed up, I want you to know that I understand all the reasons you've not. I understand it's hard to commit to something for 10 weeks. It's hard to find a night right? We're busy. It's hard to find a group that's close enough that it's convenient. I understand all your reasons about convenience and comfort. I understand that you don't want to do any homework. I understand that, you know, maybe next time we go through Rudy, you could do it, but this time it's just too busy. And I want to say to you, I empathize and I sympathize. And I also want to say to you, it's a little crap. <laughs> They're all real reasons for you, and I get that where you're at. But I also want you to know that they're just excuses that the enemy wants to use to keep you from what's next. Um, I have the same excuses. In fact, the reason I know that I'm so excited about Rooted is because I'm not all that excited about Rooted. <laughs> I have found that most of the things in my life that were ever really meaningful and deep were the things that right before they happened, I, I was this close to just not doing it. I'm tired. I'll match up my schedule with any of yours, and I promise you I have every reason to not be doing rooted. But that's what excites me about it, is I absolutely have learned in my 50 years that those are the moments where God sweeps in and does something really, really, really cool. I mean, I want to learn about the hibernation cycle of the Pacific Northwest Steelhead. I'm going to rooted. No, I understand. I really do. I understand that we've all got reasons not to. But I want you to know, it's time. It's time to step beyond those reasons. If you're new here and you've never heard about Rooted, it's a 10-week course. We've got groups everywhere from Lakewood to Bonnie Lake, Puyallup South Hill to Milton Edgewood. We've got groups on Monday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday morning, Sunday morning, Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday afternoon at 1.15. 
I have no idea what our groups are, but I know we've got a lot of them. <laughs> and I know this, our sign-up sheets are in the foyer, and you can sign up today. And I want to encourage you, don't leave today without signing up. You're new today. You're like, I don't even know any of these people. That's okay. That's okay. Just sign up. Just find a night that works for you. Sign up. If you signed up and you're committed to a group for the next 10 weeks, I want to say congratulations. Good for you. We're doing Rooted. I also want to say it's a commendable thing that you're committing to. Like I said, I get that it's a commitment. And it's not easy. And I also know this. Welcome to the battle. Because if you've signed up for 10 weeks, you're about to go through 10 weeks worth of reasons to not show up every week. Right? I mean, this is it. This is battle time. That's the fact why we do it together. Because I know it's going to be a battle for me. And I'm thankful that my wife and the people in our group are going to be encouraging me. Because I know it's going to be a battle for them, and I'm going to be encouraging them. It's why we do it together. Do you know that the, the folks who put together Rudy tell us that 10% of the people give up? And by the way, if you're one of those 10% that give up over the next 10 weeks, grace for you. Of course we still love you. I understand. I, I really get it. But all the more reason to go in with our eyes open and our minds fresh and ready for the battle. Ready to realize that almost anything in life that's ever been worth achieving or doing costs us something. Right? You have to risk to reward. I'm a coach. I know that if I want to do something in a game strategically, I've got to give something up somewhere else on the field. If I want to add more offense, I've got to probably give up some defense somewhere. If I want to add more pressure on the left, I'm probably going to have to give up something on the right. If I want to mark out their best offensive player, I'm going to take a player out of position on our field to do so. Anytime you really, really want to risk and get something, you're probably giving up something else somewhere else. The question is, is it worth it? And the answer for you this morning is, rooted is worth it. And while we do it together, we're going to get some battle scars. And this is what I want to say. Wear those battle scars like affirmation medals. Commending you every day for doing the right thing. Know every time you face the scar, face the battle, and God through it in the last 10 weeks, that those are reminders to not give up. Amen? So this morning I want to take a few minutes and briefly remind us why we are choosing to do Rooted. And these books are available right outside. I promise you money is not an issue. If you can't afford them, just sign up anyway. We'll get one to you. It's not a problem. It's going to be an exciting, exciting journey. So why are we doing Rudy? The message is simple, but it's profound in its truth and its impact. We want to connect with God. We want to connect with the church, and we want to connect with your purpose. By the way, I'm going to strongly encourage you to take notes this morning. Not because I'm going to say anything noteworthy, but because I believe note takers are history makers, and there's a blank sheet on the back of your announcements if you want to use it. We want to connect with God, connect with the church, and connect with your purpose. Now you're thinking to yourself, I'm already connected, and you may very well be. But my question is, how deep is that connection? What level of conflict does it take? What level of challenge? What level of issue in your week or in your month or in your life blows you off course? For some of us, it's simply a fight with our spouse. It can send us weeks spinning. We don't read our Bible. We kind of stop praying. For some of us, it's a financial struggle. Everything is good with church and with the Lord until this bill, until this challenge, until this problem with insurance, or until I lose my job. What level does it take? Lord forbid, maybe it's the loss of a loved one. 
the statistics of people that fall away from the Lord, that get divorced after losing a son or a daughter, are staggering. What level of issue, challenge does it take to blow you off course? I know you think you're connected. I know you say you're connected. But I think any one of us this side of heaven has to admit there's always room to go deeper. You say, I'm connected to God until those struggles come along. You say, I'm connected to God deeply, just, just not as church. I'm not connected to the church. You see, the church has burned me. I've been hurt. And Christians, by the way, I don't know if you've noticed this, but they're weird. They're weird. I mean, not all of them, but come on. The ones I end up in the group with always are weird. Well, you know, some of them. Or you can say, I'm connected to God, and I'm connected to the church. Well, until some other program comes along that's better, a better menu offering, if you will. Or, until someone offends me. Like, like in your mind, there's some perfect church out there where people aren't really people, they're just robots that always do the right thing. And by the way, if you ever find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll blow it because you're a person and none of us are perfect. Or you say you're connected to God and you're connected to the church and things are going good, but somewhere along the way you've lost your vision, your dreams, your sense of purpose. In fact, maybe you can still say that you're connected to all three just fine, but you long, like all of us, for something deeper. It's a desire that we all have that we're knowing, living, experiencing truly godly rhythms in our life that allow us to become all that God's designed and created us to be. Can I be honest? Most of the people I know, we're living a lie. We're trying to live some false version of our stories, trying to live somebody else's story maybe. Or simply, we're living out only really part of our greater story. You see, the world has lied to us, it's stolen its dreams, it's robbed our hopes and joys, and I want to see you restored, and I want to see you healed and awakened again. You've heard me say before that God has a greater story for you. He desires us to be living what Jeremiah 29 love says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. He has plans, hopes, future. He has purpose for you today, but not for the person you are pretending to be. Let me say that again. God has a purpose for you that he wants you to connect with. But he does not have a person, a purpose for that person that you're trying to pretend to be. So stop. Stop living somebody else's story. Stop living a false version of your own story, a partial version of your own story. If we aren't all completely living out these plans, these hopes, these future, this purpose in abundant fullness, and I've never met a Christian this side of heaven who thinks they are, then the simple truth is we need to be more deeply connected. We need to be more deeply rooted. It's our basic lee. You know, my family will tell you that I love trees. I enjoy all of nature. I love rivers, lakes, oceans. Man, when I'm in nature, I am at peace. Put me up in the mountains any day, and I am good to go. I've had a chance to do some traveling, but I love coming back to the Pacific Northwest where I am home. I love trees. In fact, one day we took our kids to the Tacoma's Natural History Museum, and I, I sat down to rest for a second. I was kind of getting tired in our, in our tour, and I ended up sitting right in front of this wall-sized old photograph 
of an old logging camp. And these old loggers hunted them out amidst these massive, giant redwoods. And I don't know how else to say it other than I fell into that picture. I just got lost. I sat down for a second because I was tired, and I began to stare at the photograph that was just a few feet in front of me, and I don't know how long I was sitting there. I just got lost in the moment. I know this, that my family, I don't know how long they had been away. I don't know how lost I had gotten away from them, but eventually one of the kids came up and nudged me from behind and kind of stirred me, if you will. But there I was, just at peace amidst the forest. In fact, at Camp Waskwit, my favorite place in the entire camp was a specific trail that had a few notable stops. One of them was what they called the mystery trees, and you'll see this here. And, you know, most trees, if they're smaller, they have a root ball. And if they're larger, they have like this picture right here in our rooted sign where the roots go down and deep. But when you walk through Waskowitz, you came across these fallen trees. And what you probably don't notice here is that the trees are this way. They have fallen over. These are the tree trunks right here. And they're huge trees. And this right here is what would be the root ball. And you can't see it here, but it's about 25, 30 feet around. And it's shallow. It's just a disk. You see, roots need more than just water. They need nutrients and oxygen and all these things that they get from going deep, deeply rooted that keeps that tree healthy. These roots thought they got all they need because this was in a wetland part of the forest where water was shallow and soggy. So they didn't go deep. They just spread out and went wide. And the first time the wind blew, they toppled. Now, there's a lot of roots there, and this is an old tree that somewhere along the line thought it had what it needed, would have told you had you walked by even a day before it fell over that it looked mature, it looked grown, it looked healthy. I wonder for us if it's not the same at times. We look like things are good. We look like we're healthy and grown and mature. And we feel like our roots are deeply planted until just the right wind. The one that's got your name on it. You know, the one that's got my name on it is probably different than the one that has your name on it. Mine's probably about shame or insecurity, that one little thing that will set me. Maybe yours is a constant struggle with finances or marriage issues. I don't know. But the right wind at the right time simply reveals to us that we've been wide, but we've not been deep. That we feel connected, but we're not truly rooted. Amen? God desires that we're all so well-rooted that we are not so easily swayed by the shifting winds in our life. Would you read with me Acts 2, 42 through 47? Let's read this aloud. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the mighty wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. 
They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We want to learn to connect with God. This verse about the early church is such a beautiful picture of that. Read again with me verses 42 and 43. I'll just read them. We don't have to read them aloud together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. This is a connection with God. Do you read that in here? They devoted themselves. Devoted themselves. I don't know what your life looks like right now. If I had to honestly examine my life in the past eight weeks, could I say that I've been devoted to the apostles' teaching? Have I been breathing in the word of God like it's daily bread for me? Not so much. My schedule got crazy, and that's the first thing that goes. And that's sad for me. Have I devoted myself to fellowship? I can tell you right now that the brothers and sisters in my life that I need time with and those who need time with me have found very little of it over the last eight weeks. But that's really really the source of my connection with God, my time in prayer, my time in the Word, my time communing with Him just like we did this morning. Now, I'm not just talking about the Christian cliche thing, right? The man upstairs or some guy that we all know of and that we believe in, that he exists. I'm talking about growing and not just sustaining, but growing more deeply, personal, intimate relationships with a Papa who loves us dearly. You see, I don't want to just know about God. I don't want to live off of what I knew yesterday or what I experienced yesterday. I want to sit at the feet of my rabbi each and every day. I want to sit on the lap of my father. Yesterday's stories and victories and healings aren't good enough for me. And I wonder how many of us have settled believing they're good enough for us. What if we took this next 10-week journey believing for new stories on the lap of our father? Man, I want that for you. I want that for me. I want you to want it for me the way that I want it for you. I don't want to be so loosely connected with God that the first time soccer season comes back around, I look like this again. I don't want to be so loosely connected with God that the first time I hear a, a false teaching, I look like this. I don't want to be so loosely connected with God and thinking that I'm fine and I'm standing upright until... A loved one is in trouble until there's a challenge, a wind that blows, a storm that comes in to my life. Colossians 2.7 tells us this. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. I want my roots to go strong in him. So we want to connect with God during these next 10 to 11 weeks. We want to connect with the church again. Let's go back to our main verse again in, in Acts, and I'm going to read just 
verses 44 through 46. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Such a beautiful picture of fellowship. I love this picture. All the believers were together. All the believers were together. They didn't choose churches like a fast food choice on a corner of a busy street. If you were in Milton and you were a Christian, you were together. If you were in the Puyallup area, you were a Christian, you were together. Not just the ones who like to do this, and not just those ones who are pretty, and not just the ones who wear the, the cool straight-legged jeans with the holes in the knees, and right? Not just those ones who resonate with me. All the believers were together. The extroverts, are you crazy? I'm going to say something here that might be heresy. The extroverts got along with the introverts. I know. The weird ones got along with the cool ones. This is tough on our American Christianity, but we need to handle this. All the believers were together. I love this as it said they had everything in common. It doesn't mean that they all liked the Seahawks. It doesn't mean that they all liked, you know, country cabins and not common in their life. It means that they pooled their resources. They considered what was mine is yours, what is yours is mine, what is ours is all God's. They had everything in common. Nobody was without lack because anybody that had gave. Their property, their possessions, anyone who was in need, and every day they continued to meet together. Every day they continued to meet together. We're sitting out here making excuses for not being able to meet once a week for an hour in a rooted group. Every day they continued to meet together. It's just about reprioritizing, right? It's about perspective. Let me be very clear that we are not talking about church in terms of buildings or programs or the name LifeSpring or the name North Hill or the name The Edge. We're talking about the body of Christ. We are the church. You, me, we are the church. And we need to understand that we were designed for a community, to commune with God and, and, and commune with others. We're designed for a relationship with God and each other. God is a triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Relationship and community is part of His very DNA. And because it's part of his, it's supposed to be part of ours. It's how we were built. It's how we were wired. Can I tell you this? Cindy and I were not going to have a group of really bright, blonde-haired kids that were six foot eight. It's not in our DNA. Our kids will never, ever look like that. It is in your DNA to need each other. Now, I didn't say to get along all the time or to even like each other. It's in your DNA to need each other. It is in your DNA. You know, in Genesis, on the first five days of the seven days of creation, God stood back and he assessed what he created and he said, it is, it is good. Until the fifth day. On the fifth day, God created man. It says that he created man in his own image, male and female he created them. And then he said, it is what? He said, it is very good. He said, it is very good. It was the first time. He said, it is very good. In fact, juxtapose that 
to a different passage in Genesis where we hear the term for the first time. When God created Adam and he said, it is not good that he should be alone. See, we were created for community. And let's be real, this is where it gets sticky in the church. Okay, this is where it gets hard. This is where the rubber meets the road. I could connect with God as long as people didn't keep screwing it up. (laughs) But God chooses to use people. He calls us into community with others. And people are broken, and people are messy. More people struggle with the church than they do with the concept of God. And some of us have really been hurt. We've been marginalized. We've been offended. We've been devalued. People have minimized us. But God still loves the church. The people that have hurt you are still sons and daughters of a most high God who are still in process with whom he says, it is not finished yet, but I am working out in you to the day of completion. I don't do very many things in this life very well. I've made a pretty good mess of a lot of the things that God has given me. But, you know, there's one thing I can stand up here and say without hesitation. I have always loved God's church. When I was a teenage boy, and I was broken, and I was alone, and I came from a hurting, hurting place, I didn't quite understand the concept of God. I believed in him, but I didn't get it. I didn't get Jesus. I certainly didn't get the Holy Spirit. But I walked into a church one day where hundreds of people, including people that at that time I thought were so old they wouldn't even care about a teenager, and they wrapped their arms around me, and I watched them live in community for years. And I fell in love with this church. And God used this church to bring me to a place and lead me to the love of the Father. And I fell in love with Christ. So when I teach about not taking offense against the church or keeping slates clean with your brothers and your sisters, and when I teach about honoring our leaders and protecting the flock, I do so from a sincere place of love for God's people, God's imperfect people, his dysfunctional people, his painful, bleeding, unfinished sons and daughters of the kingdom, the same people that have offended you have offended me, and I still love them. The weird ones, I love them. I don't always love them well, but God is always calling me to do better. When I am the weird one, I still love. And most of the time, I am. I love God's church. I love to serve God's church. I don't understand those who don't. I empathize, I sympathize, but it's not who I am. So let's be real. Some of us have not signed up for a rooted group yet because we're introverts and we're afraid of the extroverts in the group. Or we're extroverts and we're afraid that we're going to have to share time with other people speaking. (laughs) We've chosen groups based on who's in them. We've not chosen some groups based on Who's in them? We have avoided signing up altogether. Some of us have left the church or several churches because of the church, because of people, because of brothers and sisters who you're going to be standing next to in glory one day saying, I gave up on you when God wouldn't, and I'm sorry. God is not finished with you, and he's not finished with me. 
you've been a Christian for 20 years, I don't know. When it comes to God's church, maybe your roots go wide, but not so very deep. Just like this. Or maybe like this other place, just up the trail from the tree of mystery, is the fire sculpture tree. Maybe you've been burned by the church or by people. Maybe it was just one blow of lightning, that's all it took. And all of a sudden, you're scorched, the roots go dead, and because the roots are dead, no life grows anymore. There's no, it's not green, it's not lush. It's, this is not bearing fruit. This sign will tell you the very day and time that lightning struck this tree. And your heart will tell me the very day and time that somebody in the church did the same to you. But I want to say this. Your greater story, earlier I said that your greater story cannot be lived by the you you're pretending to be. Now I want to say this. Your greater story was never meant to be lived alone. And you will never live it in its fullness without living it in community. Your greater story was meant to be lived in relationship <coughs> with others. So if this is you, I want to say I love you. I want to say that I'm sorry. And I want to say that God wants to spend the next 11 weeks healing and restoring something so that you can connect again with the church, the imperfect, dysfunctional, painful, bleeding, stupid, sometimes weird people of God that he loves dearly. For some of us, the greatest blessing that's going to come in the next 10 weeks is simply this that you're going to come away connected in a new way with the church again. I'm believing that. And why is this so important? Because God chooses to show up in his world through the church, just like he did for me as a teenager. He has purpose for every son and daughter, purpose that is fulfilled through his church. So lastly, that's why it's so important that we connect with our purpose. Let's revisit our main passage again, and I'll read verse 47. In fact, we'll read 46 and 47. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. I don't know about you, but I read these verses and I read purpose. They found favor because they were living out their purpose. And the Lord added to their numbers daily. They weren't having to look at a slideshow at the end of the year at the two newcomers that came on Friends Day and still praise God for it five years later. Because they were living out their purpose. This is so huge for so many of us. So many of us have yet to discover our purpose or we've had it robbed from us by the lies of the world. The dreams are stolen, harps, hopes and joys were crushed. But God is still in all of that. I want you to know that. It's not like you walked away from God during any of that. God is still in it. In fact, he's not only in it, he wants to redeem it. He wants to restore it. He wants to show you how he is able to take all that messy brokenness and use it to reconnect you. Not in spite of it, actually through it and in it, in the midst of it. wants to reconnect you with your purpose. Isaiah 61.3 tells us, To all who mourn in Israel, he will give Beauty for action, not to those who get over mourning, not to those who mourn last year, but they're finally past it, to all those who mourn in Israel. He will give beauty for ashes, joy instead of mourning, praise instead of heaviness, for God has planted them strong 
and graceful oaks for his own glory. Hey, I don't know your greater story or your purpose in its whole. There are parts of it that are uniquely yours. I, I, I don't know that for each and every one of us. But I do know this. It's all about God and his kingdom. It will require getting out of your living room. It will require serving others. It will require letting go of some of the things so that God can take hold, or you can take hold of what God has for you. Proverbs 11 reminds us that a life devoted to things, a life devoted to things is a dead life, a stump. A God-shaped life is a flourishing tree. We need to stay rooted. And lastly, I want to say this. Many of us have felt connected with God before, only to get hurt or offended. Or we've struggled maybe to relate to God as Father because of struggles with our own earthly father. Or maybe we were just more comfortable with God as a deity, somebody we sort of kept up there in the heavens rather than a personal Savior who makes our hearts his home. Many of us have connected with the church before, only to be hurt by those who are hurting or feel betrayed. Or we've been more comfortable not committing to the family of Christ because we were once betrayed by our own families and we just aren't comfortable trusting and building real relationships with others. And lastly, many of us have felt connected with our purpose before, but we've allowed something, some hurt somewhere, some life circumstance to rob it from us. Or we've been more comfortable living for ourselves and never felt the need to search for a higher purpose and give ourselves to the thought that it might really be all about God and not about us. And if that's you, here is some good news. All those years ago when I was at Camp Waskowitz, Steve Abbey and Paul Conger were the naturalists that were on staff for several years. For I think they both served for some 30 years up at Camp Waskowitz. And like many of the alumni, we're still in touch through social media all these years later. And this week as I was pulling out my old pictures and thinking about camp, I was sending some notes just seeing how they were doing. And I was asking about various aspects of the camp. It's been years since I've been there. And Steve mentioned, and Steve is in his, I want to say his late 70s, early 80s at this point. He mentioned um, just yesterday, in fact, that he was up there a couple weeks ago at a reunion. And he said that uh, I would not recognize the trees in mystery anymore or the fire sculpture tree that I showed you. In fact, we can look at those again. He said that, first of all, I want you to know something. This is two trees. And that's important to me for this reason. There are times that we think we're connected. And our roots are connected. But together, if we're not choosing to be deeply rooted, together we will fall. But this is what he said. He said, the amazing thing is, what happened over here is this 30-foot diameter is now about 8 feet. He said, it's amazing how small it's gotten. And out of it, there are massive trees growing. It's become what naturalists call a nurturing tree or a nurturing log. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me to think that once we've decided that it's not about us anymore and we shrink up a little bit, 
get rid of our rough edges and our egos and the things that are easily offended and center ourselves around our purpose, man, God will grow beautiful, fresh, new things. And you think, can he, can he grow something out of me when I've been burned, when I've been scorched, when I'm not even rooted anymore? And I want to say yes, because you know what? Steve said this one blew over in the wind about 15 years ago. And he said you wouldn't even recognize it anymore because it is so, if you took this picture today, he said you would not be able to see over it or around it. The lush greenery and bushes that have grown up around it are so thick and so full of life that you can't see past it. I want to say to you this morning, if your roots have been shallow rather than deep, if you feel like you didn't connect with God because at one time or another you've been burned, or maybe you've connected with all those three of those things, you've been connected at times with God, the church, and your purpose, but you're just not satisfied to go out where you are today, and you want to go deeper. The good news is that if you lay it down, Lay it down. Give it to God. Give, especially these next 10 to 11 weeks. But it's not about a series. Don't get me wrong. But the series can help us be what it's about. We can reconnect with God. We can reconnect with the church. And we can reconnect with our purpose. He will redeem and make beautiful new growth, life, meaning, and purpose. I am so very excited for not only these next 10 weeks, in my mind's eye and in my heart, I see 11 weeks from today. I see us gathered in this room with testimonies and stories and videos of you reconnecting. I want to believe in my greater story, and I want to believe in our greater story, and I want to believe in your greater story. I am so excited that 11 weeks from now, some of you are going to be up here with a microphone saying, I didn't know what that fat guy was talking about 10 weeks ago. But let me tell you what the Lord did for me. I am so excited. We're going to do something that we don't often do here. If you're new this morning and this is hard for you, I apologize ahead of time. We don't normally do it, but we're just going to take some time and do it this morning. I'm going to ask Micah to come up and play a little bit, the worship team to come up. And what we're going to do is we're just going to take a few minutes. I just want to do five minutes. Just break into groups six and seven. Just grab some folks around you. And this is what I want you to do. You don't just introduce yourself by name. You don't have to share a prayer request. Just introduce yourself quickly by name if you don't know each other, and then just pray for one another. I want you to pray these three things. You don't have to know their life, and I don't want you to, this is not your time. If you're sitting there with your wife, this is not the time to pray for that thing that you've been asking the Lord to really change in her, okay? I want you to pray these three things. Lord, would you connect them with God? Would you connect them greater with the church? And would you connect them greater with their purpose, whatever that is for them. Not for you, but for them. Okay? Five minutes, five or six people in a group, and then we're going to come back and worship one last time before we leave. Go ahead. <laughs>